Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We are we are the Weber State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, I've got a I've got a, a returning face, face we haven't heard from for a while, but glad to have him back, Trevor Zellweger. Trevor, good to have you on again, man. Thank you. Good to be all, here. Yeah, we're glad to have you again, man. We like your takes. And then also um, a familiar face. We had him on a few times this season, Sean, Sean Lewis. Heard things are uh, working out down at the new place. We we are coming to you live and in person from the new Casa de Sean. Um, we've nicknamed it the Beehive, and there's a little echo because there's absolutely nothing in this room except me. <laughs> no furniture yet. Going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some furniture. Furniture came today, but no artwork or anything on the walls to dampen the sound. Yeah. Yeah, I feel your pain, man. Like the first uh, month when we moved to Nashville, like we just didn't get settled. I don't know. It takes a while. Yeah. Well, folks, let's talk a little bit about today's show. So we're going to keep this one pretty compact. We're going to talk a little bit about the, we're going to talk about the game, of course, up at Montana state, talk about everything that happened up there, which is a lot. Uh, then I've got a special segment for our wildcat panel tonight. It's called bro. That's wild cat. <laughs> Takes on uh, some of the craziest things they've ever seen happen with Weber state football. Uh, before we get into all that, though, want to encourage everyone subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Good places to find Weber State Weekly. Of course, you can watch these on YouTube if that's a thing that you like to do. Go ahead and check it out on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. It's a good place to find Weber State Weekly and also leave your comments there. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all good places to interact with us. Sorry, I wasn't as active on Saturday on Twitter as I normally am. I was actually down in Chattanooga checking out that Mercer Chattanooga game. And I got to say, for the folks that went to Chattanooga for the 2016, playoff game against chat uh what a great stadium so uh had a good time down there i didn't i didn't know the mock was a bird until uh saturday so yeah anyway you learned something new yeah i learned something new for sure um i also learned that uh, grundy county in tennessee is uh really a thing so shout out to john michael montgomery <laughs> but, <laughs> that, that's but, a deep cut there colby it's a deep 90s country <laughs> cut if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about but uh also we're on patreon know. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and uh, become a patron. I've got some uh, got some interview interviews in the tank that we'll be releasing very soon. So, um, yeah, become a patron. You'll get access to those uh, before they become live to the general public on YouTube. All right, guys. So uh, that's that's the intro. Let's talk a little bit about the game. Uh, obviously, you know, a weird one. Probably one of the weirdest games I think I've ever seen for Weber State football. I mean... Uh, I don't want to get into the, my questions quite yet. I'm going to get you guys' kind of temperature. Take you guys' temperature here from the start. Overall, all said and done, had a few days to marinate on it now. How are you guys feeling about how things kind of went down in Bozeman? Trevor, I'm going to start with you, man. Yeah. I was pretty mad after the game, but sure. overall... I don't know. I don't feel that bad. It's disappointing for sure. But in my opinion, we were the better team on the field that day. And I think there's a lot of things we can take away from that game. And going forward, there's a lot to learn from it. Obviously, I wanted to win. I believe we should have won. But I don't know. It's not as bad as it felt directly after the game. And I don't know. I don't think it's the end of the world or the season. We didn't even drop in the rankings. So yeah. it's it's not a, not that big of a deal. Yeah, it feels like people who actually watched the game, because it was a fairly big game and people in, in the national FCS scene were talking about it. Of course, you know, for the big sky, it was our game and the game between Sac State and Montana. Those were kind of the two heavy hitting games in the big sky in all of the West, really. Which, by the way, that that start time for that SAC Montana game, oh, guys, I couldn't hang. I went to bed. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I was also going to talk a little bit about you know, Sean. How are you kind of feeling now? Like I said, you had some time to marinate. Uh, tell me how you. Feel, I, I want to say that I said this to you earlier last week, Colby. Maybe maybe I was on one of our shows. I don't know. I want to say that I was feeling really confident going into Saturday. And that it it would take a good game from Weber State, and the only team that really could beat Weber State was Weber State. Um, that holds and, true. And I think that is exactly what happened. Um, we got in our own way, um, and I'm not going to 
talk. I'm not going to bury anybody. It's not about four different plays or one play at the end. Um, but I think it's a, a microcosm of what has happened throughout the season for the Wildcats. Um, they had a chance, um, and I'll have to look up the message, but they had a, a chance with about five minutes left in the second quarter to go in and score and really put put the nail in the coffin that, that probably would have, have put the game away. They weren't able to do that. Um, the, within those five minutes afterwards, um, there was um, uh, a quick change in scores. Um, the the team was stagnant in the the second and third quarters, just like they had been all season. And 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 they didn't. This team does not seem to have that killer instinct with to put the game away when they need to. And and I think that you know I think Jay Hill said in in the post game that we played twenty minutes of really bad football. And yeah. it was that 20 minutes that, that really buried this team in this game. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't slip too far in the rankings. I think the final score, keeping the final score close and, and uh, having a chance to win in the end made the difference in the rankings. Um, so it wasn't a blowout by Montana State. And, and really, if I'm a Montana State fan, I'm feeling really lucky because For sure. those, those eight points even though those, like, those get credited to the defense, the defense did nothing for those eight Literally points. nothing. Literally nothing. Those, those were gifts. And, and yes, that was a difference in the game. Um, but gosh, Montana State didn't do anything to, to do that. And, and so Weber State beat themselves on Saturday. And, and like Trevor, I think, I think the Wildcats were the better team. And I... You know, hopefully we can the team can learn from this and and move on because they've got another big game on Saturday and again on Saturday after that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think you're right, guys, because like you said, there was opportunity. I don't think you can pin it on just one play. There were lots of opportunities to put the game away, like you said, Sean. A number of them um, got slow in that second and third quarter, and that's where Montana State did the the bulk of their damage. Uh, I'm putting up a lot of points in that that span. And then, you know, late in the third quarter and into the fourth, the Wildcats kind of get things going. I do think that there was probably pass interference on that last touchdown for going for two, which, you know, we could we could look at all kinds of plays like that where it's like if that if that pass interference doesn't happen, it's a three point game, we kick the field goal, we go to overtime. Yeah, probably. But I know, there, there's just a lot too many plays of things like that you could, that you could point do. to, Colby. Yeah. Right. How many drop passes were there? Right. How many wide open receivers do they have? I, I thought uh, Bronson played great, yeah. but it, a lot of drop passes that, that normally are not dropped. Right. Uh, we had some special teams gas. We had some great special teams play uh, to, to uh, house calls um, that, that were, were fantastic. One ninety one yards on the punt return and then 100 yards on the kickoff return. Yeah. Um, those were great, um, but it was, I, I think it was that middle, middle section, a lot of drop passes. Um, think about this. The Wildcats completed two fourth and tens on that final drive Yeah, to get time. in position. They were in position to score at the end. And, you know, but the score wins again, the game. you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you can't pin this on one play or or one call. It's a cumulative effect, and the cumulative effect was that the Wildcats lost. Um, I think yep. I think if if we were to put some truth serum in Jay Hill, I think he might make a couple of different coaching decisions. Um, but even he addressed that in the post game that says you don't know what's going on in practice or what the what the options are. And and I believe that the Jay Hill, professional football coach, knows what he's doing and is putting his kids in the best position to win. And, you know, we, we're not there at practice. We don't know what their options are at long snapper. Um, I, I would have probably not gone for that fourth one. Um, I would have made a different coaching decision there, but I'm, that's why I'm a, a hack on a computer screen in my, in my house. And, and I'm not at practice every day uh, getting paid to coach. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, um, a, a guy that I work with, Montana State fan, uh, went to the game in Bozeman. Um, called him and he messaged me today and he also said, how come the Wildcats didn't put somebody behind the punter to make sure that that didn't happen again? 
And I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess that's a thing to consider. I don't know. Lots, like you said, lots of things that could have happened that just didn't. And they all added up to the Wildcats losing by five, which is incredible considering, you know, how, I mean, if you were following along on Twitter late in the third quarter and into the fourth, people were t- talking like this game is done, done that like the, the it's finished and it really wasn't right. It really, really wasn't. I may have sent a few texts to some friends saying that. That's <laughs> nah, not done. Well, let's get into it. Uh, I may have been at a watch party with, uh, with uh, a favorite commenter on the show and a, uh, one of our, our, cohorts on the show and uh uh there were there were let's just say that there might have been some some stronger language being thought if not said in the basement there during the third quarter <laughs> <laughs> well guys uh obviously the safeties uh, I, I walked into the office today and the guy who sits behind me first thing he says to me is all four safeties huh and th- keep in mind this is a guy who's a, a, a big fan of a graduate of the University of Tennessee who's riding high right now. Absolutely clobbered University of Tennessee Martin. Uh, beat out. You remind him of their coach as a Weaver State guy, right? I sure do. I make sure they know Josh Heupel is a wildcat. Uh, but first thing he said, I mean, a guy who doesn't watch FCS football for safeties. And I was like, listen, man. So, we, I mean, we obviously have to talk about the safeties. I mean, like you said, Sean gave up eight points directly. But I think it also led to three touchdowns indirectly because of the short field situations that come from that thing. And I mean, completely. what do you think happened there? Because obviously a lot of it was on the long snapper. Grant Sands is normally very, very good. I mean, this guy has been, he's been incredible. We haven't seen a thing like this ever. Like I've never seen Grant Sands sell one like that ever, let alone four times in a single game. What do you think happened to him there? Because I think so, that, um, he'll write the ship, but this particular one, yeah. just, you know, yeah. You know can, I, can I make one point about that Colby after the third one? Um, the cameras caught him going up and coach Hill talking to him as, as a good dad or as a good coach. There was, it wasn't being berated. It wasn't what the crap are you doing? It was, Hey, we all have bad days. Y'all have tough times. We'll get through this. It was building, building a young man rather than tearing him down. And, and I want to give Jay Hill all the credit in the world for that because there are too many coaches in this world that would be throwing a chair or throwing a headset down or, you know, uh, stuff like that. But um, I, I'm going to make a point. Uh, Mason's making it in the comments, and, and hopefully Colby can get that up. Um, th- it wasn't bad snaps on just the punts. All the extra points, um, every high. snap. There were, there were some snaps to the, to the quarterback that were high that, that Bronson had to catch up here rather than, you know, right here when they're in the pistol or the shotgun. So I think I, dime store psychologist me right now is going to say, <laughs> I think the weather impacted in the first half yeah, and then you overcompensate. Right. And so you're trying to compensate and then it becomes the mental thing and, and you're, you're trying to compensate and and you're in your own head about, Oh crap, what do I do if I screw this up again? And, and so I think that's where it went down to. I, I think the weather in the first half or even just the first quarter caused a couple of those. And then as they're trying to fix the problem, they they weren't able to, and that's yeah. that's where the snaps come. But it wasn't like, just on on punts. So, like you said, you know, Mason Malin here in the comments, a lot of mistakes, a lot of small mistakes, not scoring a touchdown in the interception, that first interception by Eddie Heckard, well, the only one. Um, first down to have the first safety, uh, drop passes, untimely turnovers, field position, time possession, all those, you know, all of those things kind of add up to a five point loss. Which you know, you, you look at the list, and it's like. All of that equals a five-point loss to the number three team in the country. Um, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, obviously, you wanted to win, but if you're going to lose, at least you have some confidence going in. He also says, Mason continues, all the snaps on the field goals and the extra points were snapped pretty high, too. Holder was excellent catching those. Um, I think they'll write the ship. You know, Jeff Millard had a really good post today in the Weber State fans group on Facebook talking about Grand Sands and just, you know, really supporting him. Uh, you know, you know, it's it's tough for him right now because everybody feels like you know, he probably feels like everybody's blaming him. So if you see him, just let him know Ogden's got his back, man. That this is not the end of the world. Wildcats have plenty of football to play. They'll get it cleaned up. Still a wildcat, man. Don't worry. So I want to I want to give some analysis that Chappie put out there today, um, and he said this at our as we were watching on Saturday. We talked about how Hayes Hadley has been really good about flipping the field. 
and and before his he was injured, getting those extra yards on a punt return and putting the Wildcats in a good position. The safeties, the the big hurt was was the was the possession after, right? Yeah. It's not just the two points. You're kicking off from the twenty instead of the thirty-five. So automatically, you're essentially getting a fifteen-yard penalty on field position um, just from that start. So the average around like the thirty-eight forty-yard line for each of those drives instead of the fifteen or twenty, right? Mm -hmm. And so so you're giving you're spotting them fifteen to twenty yards that field position put the put the wildcats in trouble and not being able to punt out of that field position put them in a deeper hole to where they they were never never able to get out of that cycle um yeah. you, where you, you break that back, field position right? exactly you get out of that field position maybe get a three and out maybe do something and the other thing that that stuck out struck out to me and that stuck out to me and i don't know <laughs> i can't talk tonight um, and I, 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 we need to give Trevor some time to talk because I'm talking too much. But, but one of the things that stuck out to me is think about the, the time of possession in that first quarter. The Wildcats held the ball for all of 12 seconds or 48 yeah. seconds, yeah. something like that in the, in the first quarter. Defense was on the field for a lot of that game. A lot of that game. I don't have the stats here in front of me. Uh, but, we'll talk about it in a second, but I, I got a, I got a point yeah. that ties exactly to that. Yeah, go ahead, Colby. Uh, Trevor, I mean, th thoughts on the safety or you want to move on and let's talk a little bit about Tommy Mallott? Yeah. Yeah, we can move on. I mean, I hope Grant knows we all have bad days. Yep. It is what it is. Yep. Don't worry, man. Wildcats got your back. I mean, obviously, it was a tough one. But uh, yeah, man, we definitely want to want to make sure that um, that you got the uh, you're feeling the love, man. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Tommy Mallott. Well, we knew the Bobcats were going to run the quarterback. That's what they do. Uh, we got the news right before the game that Sean Chambers would be not playing. Um, and so it's like, Oh, okay. Um, what a bummer. And, uh, but they have Tommy Malott still so they can run him. And that's exactly what they did. Malott ended up with 273 yards. I don't think he lost a yard. I don't think he lost a single one. And so, and he wasn't sacked at all. So why do you guys feel that the defense wasn't able to kind of get him in the backfield? Cause there were definitely opportunities where they had him, but he just slipped away. You know what I mean? Just wasn't able to get him. And, uh, like we said, if you, if you were paying attention to the game day show, they were missing the Montana state Bobcats were missing at least two starters on the offensive line. And even still the, the defensive line was not able to get Malat in the backfield, even though they were getting close. Right. Yeah. I, I think it just had to come down. What it came down to is what happened with uh, the game. We, they, we were on the field a ton. And if you look at throughout the season, we haven't given up many rushing yards, but we've usually been up by a lot. So teams have had no choice but to pass the ball. And Montana State didn't have to do that. If you look at it, uh, our other close game, UC Davis, we gave up 161 rushing yards against them. So I think it just had to do with the position that we were in, what, the, what they were in. They were playing with the lead for a lot of the game. They didn't have to throw the ball, which is what we would have preferred. And they were just able to keep doing that. And I think the weather probably played a small role in that as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, you know, it was wet and drizzly up there in Bozeman. Uh, anybody who went can attribute to that or attest to that, <clears throat> but um, probably plays a, a little bit of a, it's a little bit slippery, right? And it's turf. So sliding around a little bit, not able to get guys or plant your foot the way you would normally. John, what do you think about containing Malat and why we had such a hard time? I I don't have a reason or an explanation for that. Um, I going into the game knowing that Chambers was going to be out, that they were down a couple of uh, linemen. I, I thought that we would do better at containing. Uh, but somebody texted me during the game um, that Montana State had three plays: Malat center, Malat left, and Malat right, and and they just ran those in order over and over and over again. And, and, and it's one of those things where it, you know what we're going to do and it's up to you to stop us. And the Bobcats didn't stop it. And, yeah. and then for whatever reason, I, I don't have an explanation why, um, but he, he made the wildcat run defense just look silly. And, and he's getting a lot of ad adulation. I think he was named player of the week today. Um, um, and he had, he just, he had the game of his life and unfortunately it came against the Wildcats. 
Yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, I think it was the last touchdown drive that they scored. Um, that particular drive, I believe that they ran just straight Malat plays or at least rushing plays the entire drive. I don't think they threw the ball once. And we were trying to figure that out. Their, their stats kept refreshing, so I couldn't count on it. But there was 10 or 12 straight rushing plays, and, and only one or two of them went to somebody other than him. Yeah. You know, and so it was just like you said, Sean, just a matter of, you know, we're going to do this and you're going to have to stop us. And if you don't, you know, that's what, that's what's up. Uh, Chappie uh, pointed out, he pointed this out on Saturday, you know, that they were making space. They were, they were designing plays. Their motion was designed so that they could uh, get in a scheme where basically it was whatever side of the field they were on, they would go to the weak side and and they would run extra blockers there and and that was it and you know for a team and coaching staff i thought uh jay hill and, and his staff did a great job at adjusting but i think they they struggled usually we have that second half adjustments where they give the defense gets a little bit more dominant they didn't have that um and i don't know why and, and usually when you've got a, a team like that that's running you'll you'll load up the box and then that opens up the path the wild, there was just enough passing that the Wildcats felt like they couldn't uh, bring the house on every play. But who knows what what was there? It's just sad. Yeah. So uh, the the stat that I was going to point out, guys, is, is that the Wildcats did not have a drive in two minutes and forty five seconds until the fourth quarter. So, like you said, obviously an impact on the defense because they're. Con- I mean, the rest of the time they're on the field, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, except for. I think there was a drive of five minutes later in the fourth quarter where that was the first time they went above that two minute and 45 second threshold. And so it got me thinking about usually well, what we see from the Wildcats is they come out of the gate and they score two really quickly. They'll score really quickly. And so how do you, how do you balance that? Cause obviously you want the points and you want to go up and, and kind of punch teams in the nose or in the mouth early, but it also has an impact potentially later in the game where, if you're scoring 65, 75 yards in the matter of 90 seconds, then the defense has to be out there for more time. How do you balance that? Because you want to score, but you also want to give your guys a rest. You know, this game was weird because I don't think you could balance that because you had the two kickoff returns where the offense never saw the ball, yeah. right? Um, and defense goes right back out. Uh, just looked up, Montana State had, them, had possession 37 of 60 minutes. We were state only had the ball for 22 minutes total in the game. Uh, that's crazy. You never see that that type of discrepancy. And I think what it was is, is Montana State ran the ball, and we knew that going in. They are a running team. We knew they were going to run the ball. We yeah, knew that that's what was going to happen. It was no secret. So I I think that's that's what it was. They just ran the ball, and and I don't know if our defense got tired, but uh, they they definitely didn't make the plays. Trevor, what about you, man? I mean, how do you see this balance? Because obviously you want to score points, but you want to make sure your guys aren't gassed in the first two or three quarters so that when fourth quarter comes, things are just going. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think this is basically what Sean said. I don't know what we could have done. I think it went touchdown, kick return, three and out punt return. And then, I mean, we're, our defense was basically on the field for three straight drives because of that. And so I just think they, they had the ball so much in the first half that by the time we were sustaining drives, they were just out of gas. I I don't honestly know what else could have done. I think if you are in the first quarter, I mean, obviously we want points. If we're going to take it to the house, right. take it to the house. <laughs> like Nobody's yeah. complaining about that. But I think even if you're in the first quarter, if you do have a couple three minute drives that, and you just get a little bit more possession, like we normally see, because I bet our drives on average this year don't take that much time. We go so much quicker than we have in the past. But I think even just that three to five minutes makes a really big difference early on. Yeah. I mean, fair point. I mean, the, the, the blessings and the curses of having great return men, <laughs> you know, yeah. one thing I it. do want to point out, there's a lot of debate, you know, um, like what school is DBU? Like, I mean, a few, a there? few claim it, but like Who? LSU claims they are. Okay. 
And then there are, at I the think, FCS uh, level, who? Oh, uh, well, at the FBS level, I'm just saying like people that like try to trademark it, but oh, kick okay. return you in all college football. We had Rashid. Now we have Abraham Hudson takes it to the house. I mean, it's gotta be Weber state. Yeah. And I think that there's also a case to be made at the FCS level. Weber state is DBU. We have the two best cornerbacks in the country. I mean, I talked to, I had lunch or I had dinner after the Chattanooga game with Zach uh, from the Blue Bloods. And uh, yeah, man, uh, he said the same thing. Maxwell Anderson on his and Eddie. or the Buck Buchanan. And Eddie. I, I and truly, Eddie there's not a better two pair of corners in the FCS. Plus, we're not even talking about Desmond Williams. We're not talking about Mark Collins. We're not talking about Cam McGarry. You know what I mean? Like, the list goes on, right? Yep. Um, so, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the offense now. Bronson Barron ended the day with 151 passing yards, but it's it's kind of misleading because it's not the whole story there. You look at that and you go, 151 on, like, what, 14 of 30? Um, eh, not a great day, but it's like, ah, there's so much more here. There were a few plays that would have been absolutely massive gainers but uh, they just couldn't haul it in. And part of that, I think, is probably the weather. It's cold, it's rainy, hands don't work so well. Uh, some of the guys had some problems. One of those was a, a huge play to Jacob Sharp, but he just couldn't haul it in. That would have been a touchdown. But mm-hmm. elements probably had an effect on that one. Do you think that that's probably the explainer? Because in those situations, our guys have been really, really good this season. But for some reason, in Bozeman on Saturday uh, afternoon into the evening, it just wasn't working. Do you think that's probably why, or do you think that there was maybe something else that was affecting the guys and giving them trouble hauling those in? Well, I, I think the weather is exactly what's there. You, you've got to you've got to take that into account. I mean, how many of the balls? It, it, here, here's the judge of, the, of those 16 misses. How many of them were were overhead or just thrown away? Um, if the ball's right here in your chest in the numbers and you drop it, that can't be on the quarterback, right? Sure. Um, uh, then whatever it was, I mean, they didn't have enough tackiness on the gloves. The the weather caused it, the cold, whatever it was. I think Bronson Barron was probably the team offensive MVP of that game. Um, yeah. I thought he really played throws. really well and he, he took what, what the defense gave him. Um, and you know, if, if some of those balls get caught, we're talking about an entirely different game. 100%. Right. So I, I, I'm not going to put it on him, um, but, uh, but I, I, for whatever reason, what the, the balls that have been ca- caught all season weren't being caught on Saturday. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Lark, Jeff here really quickly saying, yeah, inside slam was getting dropped. That was among others. So kind of bummer. Trevor, go ahead. <laughs> they say the weather a lot. The, you'll see this on TV all the time. A lot of times the weather does kind of like ruin what the gloves can do for you. And if you notice, if you go back and watch a couple guys were going bare hand, like Hudson skank was when he was catching punts. And I think somebody else was as well that I noticed because they say that makes it easier to catch the ball in the rain. I would assume that was probably the biggest thing. Potentially after a few drops, they might've been getting in their heads a little bit. Um, but otherwise I, I assume it was the weather and I hope that was the case, but yeah, I mean the slant and then there were just a couple other ones that hit him in the chest and they, they dropped it. You'll see, I mean the typical one that you see all the time, guys just turn up the field too early. They don't sure. secure the catch and they're yeah, running. There's definitely a couple the of those. They, there was definitely a few. They just took their eye off the ball and they were looking for the defense or they were looking to run. And if they had caught it, Jacob definitely would have gone for six. And there were a couple other ones that would have been. There, there was a first down game uh, that uh, Ty McPherson dropped in that where, where you could kind of see him kind of turn his shoulders a little bit before he had secured the ball. Yeah. He made up for it on fourth down. Yeah, and I'm in the same drive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've been really impressed with Bronson all year. Everything that, all of the progress that he's made under Mickey, and just what he's doing in the offense. I mean, he's got two more years after this. He's a COVID sophomore, so I'll be honest. I think he's a guy we can win the national championship with. Yeah, definitely a lot of improvement under Coach Mental this year. 
I mean, it helps to have an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach who played the quarterback position himself. feels like Barron's throws have gotten a lot more accurate. There were a couple, obviously, that didn't didn't go his way, but that's that's the way it goes. I mean, you're never you're never 100% all the time at the quarterback position, especially with the elements being what they were. But overall, Barron's play has improved greatly, where at this point, he's top four or five in the conference. I mean, can you imagine saying that even two years ago? Probably not, you know, so big, big improvement. Uh, guys, a couple more questions here before we wrap up. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about sacks. Wildcat offensive line gave up a season high three sacks uh, in this one. It's still, though, one of the lowest in the conference. But how does it make you feel against a team like the Grizz this weekend who like to bring the blitz? They like to bring the house. Um, you feeling okay or is it just? like it's all about just getting out quick you know i feel fine how many times this <laughs> like year how, how many times this year have we hit that quick slant and it's done big things yeah sure we dropped it a few times this game but who cares and it, it's been there yeah we made some mistakes it'll be there it will continue to be there and we'll open it up with the run game like we always do i i truly am not that worried I, I'm with Trevor. I, I don't think that three sacks is anything to to cry to grandma about. Um, let, let's move on. And, and you, we've got to shore it up. You've got to run your scheme and you've got to get the ball out. Uh, but but you, you take the you take what the defense gives you. And, and if Montana is going to bring the house, we've got plenty of receivers that can catch the ball. And, and if, if Bronson can get it to him, then there's going to be a lot of big plays. Yeah. Um, speaking of last question I had for you guys in this segment was a couple of injuries cropped up in the second half in this one, notably wide receiver, Jacob Sharp looks like he had, uh, something happened to him there. Came back on crutches. Uh, also Abraham Williams looked to be having some discomfort. Um, I don't know how you guys feeling about those. Like if those persist into this week and those two are not able to play on Saturday, um, I, yeah, I mean, do the Wildcats have the depth to replace those guys? You know, for Abraham Williams at cornerback, obviously that's not a problem, but kick return, or obviously you could run Demond Bankston. Um, yeah, Mason Malin's right running back seemed a little banged up too. Seems like DMAC might have had some might have had some discomfort there at some points in the game. Or do the Wildcats have the depth, the skill positions like wide receiver to replace Jacob Sharp, who has been really good for the Wildcats this season? What are you guys? Uh, what are you feeling about those? I, I think Weber State has a uh, really good uh, training department and a really good uh, doctor. Uh, one of the one of the mantras has been is we've got a deep team and next man up. So um, we we all thought the world was going to end when Hayes Hadley went out, and and here Abraham Williams steps up, and and without Hayes Hadley, we had two two house calls on Saturday. So um, same thing in the running backs room. Uh, Josh Davis goes down, and 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 Dante McMillan stand, steps right in, and and uh, you know that you you get that it's it's just who's who's ready. Um, there's an old line: the best ability is availability. Um, <laughs> and and you, you next man up. Let let's play. Um, if if somebody's going to be out, the coaches know it already. So let's let's move on and practice and and get the next guy prepared. Yeah, Trevor, how are you feeling about those injuries? Yeah. I, next man up. It is what it is. I mean, everybody gets injured. It's week seven. Now week eight, there's going to be injuries. Um, Josh Davis has been out for two weeks. He hasn't really played. I presume he'll be back this week. He's a more than capable kick returner as well. Hudson can Jalon rock. I mean, there's multiple people there. And then as far as wide receiver goes, I mean, Hudson can come into the slot. John Christensen, he's still on the team. We haven't seen him that much this year, but he's been featured in the past. And we have three three-star recruits that came in, Tajon Evans, Treshawn Hurry. Actually, I think four because Marcus Cretion. And then EJ Evett, he's been playing DB this year, but he was recruited as a wide receiver too. I, I think there's plenty of depth, maybe not a ton of experience, but there's definitely guys there. Yeah, I mean, because keep in mind that Jacob Sharp converted 
from DB back to the wide receiver, you know, and he's been great. Yeah. Been great. So, I mean, you can, Wildcats have that kind of, they have the athletes, you know what I mean? Well, all right, guys, final thoughts on Weber State, Montana State. Like you said, Wildcats did not drop in the national polls, really. Sticking around at number five, close loss to Montana State on the road in Bozeman. Um, anything else to say? I, I think I, I just, go ahead, Trevor. I'd rather lose in October than January. So we have absolutely. to lose one. Let it be now. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, I think a loss can help. It, it relieves some pressure. Um, I, I think this team knows that they can come back because they were down by. I, how, how many were we down in the third quarter uh, when a lot of the people were scores? I think it was two or three. So um, I, I think, I think there's a, some things that the Wildcats can learn from this. Um, but losing to a good team, uh, I, I think the Wildcats will be fine, and and we still control our destiny as far as the seed goes, right? Um, if we win, we're definitely a playoff caliber team. Um, I, I think if you win the next four, uh, you're probably seated. Uh, we're probably not going to be seated one or two, depending on how all that shakes out. But uh, a seed is still a seed, and and maybe we go on the road in the in the semifinals rather than being home at the semifinals. But this team has said they like to go on the road, and and so they do. You know, so be it. I mean, I, I don't think it changes anything for what the goals of this team are. Well, all right, folks, let's go. Let's move on to our, our final segment. I promised you guys a game. And so here it is. I called this game, bro. That's wild cat. Uh, I want to talk about crazy things that you guys have seen crazy uh, football things that have happened. And so we're going to start with what is the craziest thing you've seen at Stewart stadium? Sean, I'll let you go first. Cause I think you've got some good ones. Um, I, I'm just checking the dates on this one. Cause I, I had to look it up. Uh, September 11th, 2010, um, a fireworks night at Stewart Stadium, uh, play in Northern Colorado, um, went, game went four OTs and the lights go out because yeah. they were on a timer in Iowa. And as soon as the lights go out, the game's not over yet, but fireworks start coming up because the people outside the stadium that were running the fireworks start, start the fireworks going. And uh, I may have actually been sitting next to Millard at that game. I don't remember, but uh, uh, that was the night the light the night that the lights went out in uh, Stewart Stadium. That was wild because it took about twenty to twenty five minutes to get the lights back on so they could finish the game, and then they'd run half their fireworks before oh. <laughs> the end of the game. Craziest thing I've ever seen yeah, uh, at, at Stewart Stadium. Oh, Trevor, what about what about you? Craziest thing you've ever seen at Stewart Stadium. Uh, I mean, this one's too easy. I actually have two. One's too easy. Randall Johnson's Hail Mary. Totally. Hail Malone. <laughs> that was wild. I thought we were losing that game. I don't know. Yeah, me we too. We all thought we were losing that game. So did any um, <laughs> And then as far as bad things go, the this was against UC Davis, the Phantom, uh, roughing the – Quarterback oh. by Okiki Olorunfunmi. Yeah, I mean, come on, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Or in the same game when the ball landed on the track and they called the PI. What? <laughs> That's so crazy! Like, it it wasn't exactly the track, but it was probably six to seven yards out of bounds. Yeah, uncatchable ball! Like, come on, guys, let's let's be real here. Let's be real. Uh, I don't know if I believe Jeff Millard, but hey. yeah, Millard says he bought a twenty ounce soda and it was cold. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I think that was in the nineteen eighties. Oh, asking, um, asking for receipts. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think about mine, guys, and I think the craziest thing that I ever saw was maybe the end of the North Dakota game in 2019, where I was convinced like we were losing, and it sucked because like we had been so good against ranked teams. And I think North Dakota was ranked like in the 20s going into that game. Like they might have been like 21 or 22 or something like that. And it was like, man, I can't believe we're gonna lose to these guys. This sucks. And then the quarterback just like gifts the Wildcats this turnover and we win the game. I was like, wow, you know what? I don't even care. Thanks so much. Sometimes That's probably how fans are feeling right now. Yeah, what is what it is. Take the dub. Win's a win. So let's, let's flip the script now. We've talked about Stewart Stadium, but on the road, craziest thing 
you've seen Wildcat football happen on the road? So uh, the question is, is do you have to have seen this in person? No, because you probably watch it on not, TV. I haven't traveled to many, many, many road games. Um, I, I, the craziest thing I think was the, uh, uh, the Southern Utah playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, did Kobe, you're going to have to remind my memory shot, but how many were we down and we came back? Uh, I, there was something like three, three scores in the fourth quarter. Three, yeah, it was three scores and they came back and edged them in 2016 and they were so yeah. pissed. Oh, they were so pissed. That, that led to the, uh, that, that game was a lot of the animosity from SUU. I can't remember if it was that week or the next year when they took all the W's down on campus. Yeah. <laughs> it was the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that's, I feel like we're down 22 game. in the fourth. Yeah. There you go, Trevor. A little more than three scores even, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Like that game, I think really is what made the rivalry because that, I mean, the Wildcats come back and win. And so then the theme for the birds the next season was leave no doubt, right? They said that, yeah. leave no doubt. Yeah. They come to Ogden. They hit Stephen Cantwell going out of bounds. We can talk about whether or not that was a dirty play, blah, blah, blah. Cantwell goes out of the game. The Wildcats lose in Ogden. So then, I'm sure you folks know this, then the Wildcats do not get a first round bye because they are co-champions with Southern Utah and so you talk about the, the auto bid. auto bid. So Wildcats beat Western Illinois, the first playoff game in school history, beat Western Illinois. And then they head to Cedar and man, oh man, what a night. But uh, yeah, I feel like that game right there, Sean, is really where the rival. It, it, that wasn't the game. Was that the game that killed Southern Utah football or was it a couple years later? The, the, where the 2017 playoff game? Been? No, yeah. the, tw- the 2017 playoff game is where we broke them. Yeah. Trevor, what about you? Road game, craziest thing you've seen? Not um, quite as good. We're actually down twenty-two with seven nineteen to go. <laughs> so so even better. <laughs> um, probably still at. Well, I don't know. There's probably two. I would say again, three fourth down conversions at Eastern Washington last year. Yeah, or fake punts. I should say, not even just fourth down conversions. And then beating SUU 62 to nothing with literally no safeties. Yeah. Because they were all hurt in their senior day, last home game in the big sky. Probably that one. Talk about leaving no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I went to that game. Yeah. And like they just freaking dominated them, man. Like it was, there was no question. It was just like, yep, we're whooping them. Um, for me guys, craziest road game or craziest thing that happened on a road game, probably, I think maybe, so I'm thinking maybe the, uh, the Rashid Shahid return at San Diego state where the uh, phantom flag, the phantom flag, like that is just crazy to me. Right. Where it's like that. We win game, that game. That we win that game. If that touchdown goes and uh, you know, we win seven, six, but a phantom flag and they call it back. And it's just like, wow, what a bummer, but just crazy, you know, because I mean, I play for the hometown kid. Uh, last one, guys. You know, you know it's crazy. We, we mentioned football. I, I've got about 15 crazy things that happen in Pocatello in basketball. Crazy <laughs> <laughs> happens in Pocatello. So when you bring this back for hoop season, we'll we'll go we'll go for that. Yeah, we'll do this segment for hoops for sure. But um, but yeah, man. Um, I, I'm going to make sure it's to say we don't lose to the stripes. Just so you know, because <laughs> we don't we don't lose to the stripes. Uh, final one, guys. Craziest thing you've seen happen in the playoffs, Trevor? What do you got? oh man this one's tough too we were talking about it earlier I don't know probably that field goal block that wasn't against JMU yeah I mean it hurts but what about you Sean? that's gotta be the one yeah that one hurts for sure yeah the JMU one was weird um 
I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly. I, I'd taken my wife to see the, um, I think it was the piano guys at the Delta Center. Okay. I'm literally watching that game on the on my phone before the <laughs> concert starts. <laughs> I think I was in a bad mood because it ended right before before they took the stage. Um, uh, but that game against GMU, I want to I want to go happy with this one because it's not really crazy. Beating Montana in the snow oh, because man. the fans that were there were, were so festive. That was that was such a great atmosphere and a great game. Yeah. And and something that was really the first time that that you felt like we were better than Montana. That that you you felt like okay. And we'd lost to them. What was it? Two weeks before. Yeah. Um, lost to up in up in Bozeman. Yeah. Um, was not or Missoula, whichever. It was in Missoula, yeah, and we got we something beep it in my house. I'm not sure what it is, um, but anyway, the we lost to him a couple weeks before, and you you just had that moment of dread, like we can't get over the hump with Montana, and and they come to town and we just destroyed them. And, and the and weather's so many, bad, like the weather was so weird that day because yeah. it starts out and it's like cold and it's like snowing, and then it warms yeah. up a little bit and it's kind of slushy. And yeah. I mean, and if you stayed, you were a legend and you got treated to one of the greatest moments in wildcat football history called the snow. And I was game. there and I stayed. Yep. I was there and I stayed. And that was the high mom moment. George Tarlis, like, oh man, what a, what a great game. Um, for me guys, craziest thing that I've seen happen in a playoff game was Kansas state 2019. They're running the triple option, right? In the first half, they have a ton of success. But as you folks probably know, Jay Hill is the man at shutting down the triple option in the second half. That's exactly what happened. So the play is, player comes, the Kennesaw State Owls guy comes around, fumbles the ball. It's a scoop and score that totally flips the game. Like that totally puts the game out of range for the Owls. And they lose. And then later that night, we all go to the D. We all go to the Purple Palace. And we watch an absolute shootout with Brigham Young. And we beat him in the Purple Palace. Like, crazy. We scored things. 120 points at the Palace that night, if yeah, I remember correctly. it was wild. It was, I call it the greatest day to be a Wildcat, man. Because that, that fumble and scoop and score absolutely turned that game against the Owls. And they were never in it after that. It was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And it happened like that. Yeah, that, I was so worried in that game too. That whole first half. Yeah, Millard's right, man. Tough. When that when that player punt tried to punch the student. I mean, if you watch the video, I mean, he threw a punch, man. Can I? I still got beef with Kennesaw State because of that game. I still got beef with Semo too, man. I don't like those guys. I hope we see him in the playoffs. I want to beat him again, man. Screw Semo. But I all right, play guys. A money let's, game uh, against JMU now that they're FBS. Go to their place and, and beat them. I don't. I don't think you do get paid. I don't know, man. I mean, I know they lost to Marshall last weekend, but my goodness, they were ranked. Yeah, they were. They've been incredible this season. I want no part of that. Um, Saturday, October 29th, Wildcats take on Montana at Stewart Stadium, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets at WeaverStateSports.com. This game will be on ESPN Plus or K Jazz. If you don't go to the stadium, but you should go to the stadium, like we've talked about for three weeks, folks. Grizz fans will be traveling. They may be a little deflated now because their team has lost two weeks in a row. Um, they're going to be hungry. Uh, and so I think that having a lot of Wildcat fans there and being as loud as possible, I realized this weekend that some fan bases are better than others at making noise on third down. And uh, that's a place where we got to improve, man, because when I, I the, the Mercer contingent and Chattanooga this weekend was not very big. But man, were they loud on third down. And the Mox contingent was much larger, and they weren't nearly as loud on third down. And I was really stunned. I was like, wow. So, so get Colby, Stewart Stadium I'm, I'm get loud ask. on third down. Young on mode at third down lockdown. Come on. Get loud. If, if Montana loses three weeks in a row, isn't that a sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> I mean, in Missoula, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, they're not going to be happy up there. But uh, yeah, get, get your tickets, folks. Invite your friends. Uh, take as many people as you can get to Stewart Stadium for October 29th, man, this Saturday, because it is going to be absolutely big time. And if the Wildcats can get this dub, that is one of their best, most quality wins on the season. So get there, get loud, make it tough on the Grizz. Then the following weekend, Saturday, November 5th, Sac State comes to town. Uh, that game will also be at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeaverStateSports.com. Or you can go to ESPN Plus or KJAZ and watch that game like I will be doing. Uh, Sac State is... 
It's interesting. Sac State is the team that beat Mon last weekend in that late, late game on ESPN2. So we're going to see what uh, Sac State, they've got certain weaknesses, but they also have certain strengths. And we will see if the Wildcats are able to deal with that. Jay Hill is the only coach in the Big Sky to have beaten Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor has only lost one Big Sky game, and it's to Jay Hill and the Wildcats in 2019. So can you do it again? Because, man, Sac State has been on an absolute tear. So we'll find out. Then, um, then things lighten up a little bit. Saturday, November 12th, the Stripes come to town. This is the final home game that we know of, you know, depending on how things go and if the Wildcats get into the playoffs. But it'll be senior day. Idaho State, Stripes come down from Pocatello, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeaverStateSports.com. ESPN Plus or K-Jazz. Um, go boo the Stripes. They deserve it. We don't lose to the Stripes. Make sure they know that. Then final game of the season at Northern Arizona, Saturday, November 19th, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That game will be on ESPN Plus, or I heard there are quite a few people going down for that game. I think the NAU thing could should be a rivalry. I've made that clear on this show. Uh, the melee in the mountains is going to happen in in uh, Flagstaff this this year. So go down there, check it out, get loud. NAU sucks. We should beat them, but weird things happen in Flagstaff, so you never know. That's for sure. So email us, WeaverStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like we said, Patreon, and then uh, WeaverStateWeekly.com. we got the blog. Um, still compiling some of our grades for this uh, last game because it's uh, it's complicated, folks. Some good marks for the special teams, some bad marks for special teams, some good marks for defense, maybe some bad marks. Uh, uh, lots to talk about. But appreciate both Trevor and Sean for doing the football show with me today. Um, guys, we'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go wild. <laughs>